Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. I'm Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the podcast, we're also regularly recording short episodes on various prospects in the 2020 NBA draft. And so we've already done LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin. James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Denny Avdia. If you missed any of those for any reason and you're interested, go find them. They're easy to find. Today, we turn our attention to Onyeka Okongwu. He's a six foot nine forward from Chino Hills, California. Borderline top 40 prospect coming out of high school in the class of 2019. Turned himself into a one and done freshman. Played this past season at USC and he averaged 16.2 points and 8.6 rebounds and 30.6 minutes per game for a USC team that finished 55th at Kempom and was projected by most people to make the 2020 NCAA tournament at the time the rest of the season was canceled. He shot 61.6% from the field, blocked 2.7 shots per game, created 1.2 steals per game, only averaged 2.7 fouls per game. He was 21st nationally in true shooting percentage, 34th nationally in effective field goal percentage. Norlander, you have him fifth in your latest mock draft. I have him going sixth to the Hawks, so I'll let you take it from here. What do you like about Onyeka Kongwu? As an NBA prospect, I think that Akanwu has a lot of upside in terms of his shot blocking, rebounding, interior presence, and athleticism. I think he is a top 10 athlete in this 2020 NBA draft. Um, he's not overly uh, intimidating from a size perspective, but he's certainly not diminutive, certainly for a power forward. He can, pl- he can play, I think, the four... Or the five, I'd like to see a bit more uh, offensively. Eventually, we'll see what he can grow into. But if you told me that he was going to potentially grow into a stretch player, I could believe it. We haven't seen that yet. He only attempted four three-pointers as a freshman at USC last season, hit one of those. So he has not developed any sort of mid-to-deep range yet. But, you know, at 6'9", 235, he certainly got um, a, a decent, I think, potential to grow into that. We've certainly seen that with other players, bigger players than him. Hell, you look at, at, at Brooke Lopez and see what he's been able to turn into in the past five or six seasons. Um, tremendous rebounder, without a doubt. Uh, smart player, and, and I do think that he is uh, pretty adroit around the rim. He has gotten a bit of some interesting buzz, GP, from what I can tell, in that uh, you, we've got him kind of in, in a similar spot. I think it's not out of the question. He could go as high as four in this draft, and... He is a player who, you know, it was a little bit of a secret in terms of how good he was going to be about a year ago. Uh, but then kind of, you know, in USC's preseason back in 2019, um, you know, in talking with that staff, I was basically told Akon was going to be our best player. Like, the, uh, he was obviously a highly rated recruit, but there wasn't a ton of buzz on him then. And because USC plays on the West Coast, there was no NCAA tournament. They weren't going to be a top five seed. He's not overly well known, but... 
to me, he is kind of the player who steps in, and from a physicality standpoint, he is going to be a player who can be a an immediate role type of guy uh, right off the bat because he's. I, I think he's physically going to be ready, and his rebounding skills will translate from college to NBA fairly seamlessly. Do you remember we saw him back in July 2018, the Fab 48? It was that unique deal where they put Nike's best team yeah. against Adidas' best team. Again, a very rare thing that had happened. So we got to watch Compton Magic against Team Takeover, and Onyeka was on the Compton Magic, and yet he was not the focus of any of the, It was Evan Mobley is the guy everybody talked about. He's the five-star forward who's going to play for USC this upcoming season and is a projected top 10 pick in the 2021 NBA draft. But there's not a person on the planet, and I'm with you, Onyeka like, really might be a top five pick in this draft. There's not a person on the planet just two summers ago who thought he had any chance of being a one-and-done top five pick, right? No, not at all. Uh, not even remotely. I mean, he was certainly projected to be an eventual NBA player, but like a one and done type that would go in the top ten or be a lottery pick, that was not that was not the, the vibe on him at all. And so credit to him. Really, it speaks to his consistency at USC and how much he really lifted that program last season. I also think there's a, a decent premium put on his devotion to defense. I think that. Um, when you look at a draft like this where there's it's a bit of a hodgepodge beyond like the top three or four kind of guys, what are you going to value here? And to me, I just, I just find that Okonwu is the kind of prospect where you you know you're not going to draft him and he's going to turn into a top three player for you. You know that's gonna you know that's not going to be the case. but defensively he can become a top three guy on your roster within a matter of two seasons and I wouldn't I wouldn't equate his game uh, to another prospect we've mentioned on the series in Brandon Clark, who went later uh, exactly. But I do think that Okonwu's potential is certainly close to what we saw Brandon Clark do this season. And even still with that, Clark was overshadowed, rightfully so, by John Morant, who just won uh, Rookie of the Year, 99 out of 100 votes. Expose yourself, Zion voter. But I do think Okonwu can be that. And for a team that winds up, that might have... If he's still on the board at 6 or 7, and you, you've got Okonwu there, and you say, you know what, we'd love a rebounder, a really strong defensive presence, and we think this guy could be a top 3, top 4 defender in the draft, then I do think he's a good get. He's just not a... He's not the type of prospect where whenever he gets taken the fan base is not going to be overly uh impressed with this on its surface because it's not from a, a traditional blue blood he's not a guy that's going to average 17 points a game and he didn't make a, him a, a huge name for himself last season despite the fact that he was definitely among the three or four best freshmen in college basketball uh, by the way brandon clark uh finished fourth in that rookie of the year voting and I don't know that they're um, that similar players, but one thing that I do think is is possibly similar is, you know, Brandon Clark in his last season, only season at Gonzaga, only attempted 15 three-pointers. He was four of 15 in that season. And I remember after the Grizzlies drafted him, I got Mark Few on my radio show, and Mark said he didn't shoot many threes for us, but I, I do think he's going to be able to make that shot in the NBA. In this season, in 58 games, he took 64 three-pointers, and he made 36% of them, and he had one playoff game. 
not playoff game. It was the play in tournament against the Blazers where he shot the ball really effectively from the three point line. And so that's something that we've got to figure out with Okongwu. He didn't shoot it at USC. Why? Is it because he can't or is it because he was just doing what he was asked to do, which is be a traditional center. I think what he would tell you is that he was just doing what he was asked to do, which mm-hmm. is be a traditional center, because the shot does, like, he shot 72% from the free throw line. That's a good sign. And, you know, his set shot, though he didn't take a bunch of them, like, it looks fine. I, I think he's going to be able to shoot that shot. And that that's, that, that's, a, that's a game changer for him, because if you think he's only a – a undersized but still rim-protecting center, which he, I think he is. He's only 6'9", but he's a really good jumper, so he can rim-protect. But if you, but still, if you think that's what he is, he's just an undersized center who can rim-protect and be um, you know, somebody who finishes with both hands around the rim, I don't know if he's a top-five pick. But if you think he's somebody who is going to be able to take that perimeter shot, play either front-court position, um, and, and guard multiple positions, which I do believe he'll be able to do. He can rim protect or switch on to smaller guys. He can handle that. But if you think he's going to be able to take that shot and make that shot, he becomes a different type of player and and a player that is incredibly valuable in the modern NBA. You know, our buddy Rob Doster... uh, recently of NBC Sports, uh, he, he, he did some nice evaluation of Akanu earlier this summer and basically put out the question, like, does Akanu have the potential to be as impactful and have a role similar in the NBA as what Bam Adebayo has been able to do? And I do think that that potential is there. Now, let's be clear, like, Adebayo was a highly touted, like, you know, five-star recruit among the best in his class, and then you know, did well at Kentucky, but obviously with all the talent around him, he did not maximize his potential while in his one-and-done year at Kentucky. And now we see him grow, you know, give him a couple of years at the NBA, and he's he is helping the Miami Heat potentially pull off an upset of the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round. We'll see where that series winds up going. But the point is, Adebayo has turned into a top 30 player in the NBA, as best I can tell. I don't know if Okonwu can be that but I think he can be pretty close, and I think the comparison, well, sometimes I, I, I kind of find myself on some shaky ground with comparisons because I think it can lead to groupthink, and sometimes they can be really off the mark. In terms of what Adebayo's skill set was coming out of college, uh, and you look at what Akanu is, I think Akanu has actually got a little bit better of a, a form on his jump shot. I do think that he can grow into uh, more of an offensive threat, and let's just remember to not fall into the trap when we talk about draft prospects about what they can't do and project that as to though that is always going to be the case with them three years from now, five years from now, eight years from now, because the NBA more and more perish. It has become a league where skill development is an ongoing evolution. You aren't defined who you are as a player more times than not by what you provide to a franchise at the age of 24 years old, okay? You you constantly see guys that have been able to change their, their offensive game, step out, develop a jump shot, and that is certainly something that I think is is in the picture for a Conduin. He will be drafted with that hope, but I want to be clear here. When he gets picked... It's going to be because of his, uh, for certain athleticism, he's got great rim running ability. And just on both ends of the floor, I find him to be an active and acute rebounder. 
and he, he leans in on defense. He, he is willing to play it, and franchises will take that every single time. Obviously, star power and, and potential is the number one thing, but if you talk to you know scouts and general managers, if they know they are getting a top 10 talent, which Akonwu is, and there is no questions about uh, ability and willingness to play like high-level defense, it is it eases a burden on when you make these draft picks because at least we know that he is going that the, a certain player is going to be reliable in a certain facet of the game and it's kind of a plug and play kind of deal and I think Akonwu fits those needs. I'm just curious to see where he winds up going because I do think I do think four is his ceiling, maybe three. I don't. I've seen a little bit of buzz that he could be a top three pick. I don't think we're going to get there yet because I don't think offensively um, a team's going to find itself willing to take the chance. But that difference between three and four, and then honestly, I don't think he's got a wide range. Paris, maybe you disagree with me, but personally, I don't see Okonwu falling below like even seventh at this point because another prospect we'll talk about soon I think on our next on our, our next profile pod Isaac Okoro also a one and done player very good defensively Okoro certainly has a lot to offer there but to me if you line up both of those prospects and opinions can vary I just find a Conwood to have uh, a little bit higher of a, a higher of a floor and a little bit higher of a ceiling than Okoro so I don't think that we're going to be looking at a situation where he's fallen beyond seven or eight at worst and it really might come down to like how you evaluate him. Like, what do you think he's going to be? Do you think he's going to be, are you focused on, he only took four three pointers in his one year at USC, or do you imagine a scenario where similar to Brandon Clark, he shows himself in his rookie season to be capable of taking a shot that he barely took in college. Um, this is where the pandemic, it's a problem for all of us, but, uh, a, a, a problem for NBA franchises. Like you would love to get a Kongu in your gym, in your facility, and just watch him shoot. Yeah, like that. That's that, that could be the difference between him going, let's say, as high as third or as low as seventh to eighth. It might come down to can he get into a gym for a workout in advance of the draft, and if he does, then what does it look like when he's shooting? Like, does he have a the type of shooting performance that makes a franchise go, this guy can play either front court position. Position. He can guard in space and rim protect, and he can reliably shoot and make a three-point shot. If you if he checks all those boxes, well, now I you, you can take him as high as you want to take him. As far as I'm concerned, you're right, and particularly because if that comes along. You know, I remember watching a few USC games when I was doing some studio stuff with CBS Sports HQ on Saturdays during the season. Uh, you know, we'd have like three or four games up. And, and in fact, we watched uh, the USC-UCLA game near the end of the regular season, which was a classic there. Akonwu, I remember one other thing that stood out to me. He is really good at moving without the ball. Like, he is a fluid player on offense, and that's a pretty... It's it's a good sign in this respect because he's obviously a good rebounder, but sometimes if you have a... If you have a... a, a an NBA-level, first-round kind of talent, big, a power forward, a four or a five, who, you know earns his keep more often than not by getting second chance opportunities with offensive rebounds and doing that. You won't always necessarily see a player who is active and and knowing to move without the ball. Akonwu seemed to just pick that up and was very consistent with it. So the point I'm making is if that continues and he develops his offensive game, I do think he's got a, a pretty good shot. So another player that was drafted recently, to me that he's that he could be a bit similar to, and this is another player who has had some success relatively early, 
on a team that that isn't an NBA playoff team and has has a ways to go. And that's John Collins out of Wake Forest, who's similar to a Conwu. Collins, I believe, is a two and through, but Collins was productive in college. Uh, completely under the radar, developed into a lottery type of talent, and that has has translated, I think, on the trajectory that evaluators thought that it would with him, uh, lack of praise or hype be damned. I think that he, that Okonwu has a game that is kind of similar to him, um, but again, he's not going to be an out-and-out star. I don't see a situation where he turns into you know, a top-two score, probably a top-three score on your team, but I do think he makes your team undeniably better, and I, I am interested to see what, what comes with the offense because the defense is going to be there. He could be a top-10 shot blocker in the NBA in two years for all we know. Like I do think he's got that kind of ceiling, and that's why we're obviously talking to him as, a, as a, talking about him as a top-five, top-six guy. Another interesting aspect, I mentioned he went to high school at Chino Hills. Obviously, that is where the Ball Brothers, at least temporarily, also went to high school. So how often does that happen where a high school has two alums maybe go in the top five of the draft? Top, certainly, I don't think anybody thinks LaMelo Ball and Onyeka Kangwu aren't both going in the top ten. So how often does a single high school have alums go in the top 10 of the same draft. That could not be a common thing. Yeah, well, ball. if you want to define Ball as an alum, uh, that's fine. We can stretch the definition. But I'd love for our listeners to keep... We've gotten some great feedback on these little mini pods, and we love that. Um, if anyone is draft savvy and actually... I'd love to know this specific scenario and if it's happened. Two players that played at the same high school in the, in the same frame as Okonwu and, and, and Ball did and then get drafted in the same draft, let alone, you know top 15, top 10. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that that is all that common. You're going to run into the potential for that with the prep academies. That's certainly something that uh, that is conceivable, but I'm just wondering how often it's happened uh, overall. You don't even have to stretch the definition, Norlander, oh because the okay. definition of an alum is as follows. A former student or pupil of a school, college, or university. LaMelo Ball is a former student at Chino Hills High. He is, by definition, okay. an alum. Okay, he is an alum. So gra- <laughs> graduation is not a requirement. There we go. It's not? It's writer not? Should know, a writer should know the definition of the word. That is my B. Okay, my B. Uh, yeah, hey, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, apology accepted. Okay, f- fair enough. Um, I wanted to toss something real quick back to you uh, with a Conwu. Do you, do you think? I don't know how much we, we in total you got to see from USC last year, but they were twenty-two and nine. They were clearly headed toward the NCAA tournament. They were a defense-first team. The Pac-12 was improved. You know, he had. He had decent teammates around him. Jonah Matthews was their was their lead uh, was their lead guard alongside Ethan Anderson. Um, do you think that the, playing in the Pac-12 could ding him at all in this particular draft? We have seen some Pac-12 players recently uh, be able to go high. Obviously, Lonzo at UCLA, DeAndre Ayton at Arizona. But I I, I will tell you this, Parrish. It's weird. Um, and maybe you've encountered this as well. Every so often, I'll hear from an evaluator or scout. And it will just almost be a comment in passing about uh, the Pac-12, its style of play, and how, weirdly, I, I still find that that league is somewhat discriminated against with some of its prospects. I don't know if that would necessarily be the case here with Akanua, but I wondered if you had picked up on that scent as well as I did. No, I don't think so. I mean, listen, if your point is college basketball fans, and certainly casual sports fans, had barely saw Onyeka or didn't see him at all. I agree with that. He played, he was not a five-star. Uh, I mean, he was not like a, 
you know, projected lottery pick coming out of high school. So he's not on everybody's radar the way, you know, a, a James Wiseman or a Cole Anthony is. And then he plays for a team that was unranked to start the season and I believe unranked the entire season. And, you know, his game started, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern. So it, I, I do believe that and agree with you that most people did not see him that much, if at all. But if you work in an NBA front office, like it's your job to go find Damian Lillard at Weber State. You know, like you, if, if, you, if you work in an NBA front office and you don't have a proper evaluation of a Yekka Kongu right now, like what are you doing? So I don't think it'll hurt him um, come draft night at all. I think it makes him less familiar uh, for basketball fans than he otherwise would be, like if he played at Kentucky or Duke. But I don't think it hurts him on draft night. He will be picked wherever um, the evaluation suggests he should be picked. And, you know, to circle back, could be theoretically as high as three. And I can't really see him falling any further than six, seven, or eight. He's going to be a top 10 pick. And considering he was, you know, again, a borderline top 40 guy coming out of high school, um, that's that's a pretty, uh, you know, impressive and very quick turn of events. There's, I, I think, two guys like that who were one and done. Zakoro and uh, Akangwu. Like neither were projected one and dones at all by anybody. And now they're both going to be top 10 picks in the 2020 NBA draft after one year of college. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. And when O'Connor is taken, he'll be the first NBA pick, I believe, since uh, Chimizi Metu, who went second round in 2018. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys for listening once again to the Island college basketball podcasts in the middle of a pandemic if you enjoy the podcast please tell one person about it if you're not subscribed please 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 go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. we both appreciate it so please do that and enjoy your holiday weekend if you're listening to this during the holiday weekend and we will talk to you again real soon till then take care You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.